Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Hi, Bruce and Pamela taking a few days off for the holidays. Steve Zinsmeister is here. That's uh, super producer Stevie Z. I'm Barry Markson sitting in. Bruce and Pamela back on Monday. and uh, But for today, boy, oh boy, if you're getting ready to fly, you've probably heard this already, right? The flight attendants get on the plane, you get, everybody gets seated, you get your stuff put away, and then they come in for the announcements, right, when they start telling the you... The spiel. Here's how, you, here's how the seatbelt works on your plane. As here's, if none of us have ever worn seatbelts before. <laughs> here's, here's how... I will tell you, though... So nice I, of them to teach me how seatbelts work <laughs> at age 27. <laughs> here's how the air... The, uh, the oxygen Here's how to mask. breathe. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at you. Here's how the oxygen mask will come down. But before they do that, before they start, the first thing they used to say anyway was... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Flight 647 to Las Vegas or whatever it was. Oh, they don't just come on and go, hey, pay attention. Yeah, now it's uh, they're getting rid of the ladies and gentlemen, another airline, uh. EasyJet, getting rid of uh, ladies and gentlemen phrase when they do their introduction on the plane. They're asking their flight attendants to find something else to say. I and, think I know why, but tell me anyway. Well, you know why. They, uh, they're, they're, they're having to pay a lot of money to use ladies and gentlemen now, and they don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like royalties? <laughs> there are some people among us. Stevie, <laughs> Stevie Z, that don't like, um, uh, they don't like to use uh, male or or female uh, names anymore. Pronouns. We're talking about or people who are non-binary. Yeah, we're talking about. They're people. not male. They're not female. It's, they are non-binary. You know what the biggest problem is? I don't even think it's those people anymore. The folks who are now non-binary and things. I think that I was thinking about it. I think the people who object to this stuff are folks who are just trying to be or trying to support them. You know what I mean? There's people who are very into being feminist or very big into gay rights or very big into non-binary. And I think they're the ones that are complaining. Is there a big coalition of people fighting for the non-binary committee who are not themselves non-binary? I would guarantee you that there are women out there who get upset when someone calls them ladies. That somehow that is not even sufficient about it. I thought that was being more proper than, you know... The complaining is rolling in. Dudes and, and chicks or something like that. You <laughs> dudes know? and chicks. That'd be so great. You oh, it'd be, it'd be fantastic, but the non-binary people would complain about it. When we come back from the next break, we'll come back and say dudes What's and up, chicks. dudes and chicks? It'll, it'll be good. So anyway, they're easy just getting rid of this now, too, as have most of the other airlines already. Uh, and by the way, a lot of the airlines now um, changing the when you book. When you, the, the booking options, when you go online. To like book, online, yeah. They're putting non-binary booking options in there as well. American, for example, has that, but... If you want your ticket and your boarding pass to read in a non-binary way, you actually have to call the airline still. They haven't been able to change the computer system yet when you uh, sign up online. What is the purpose of putting your gender on the actual ticket, well, on the on the boarding pass? Is it so that the person at the airport can look at it and say, oh, okay, this is definitely Barry, or at least it's a guy? I would think so. I would think that has to be at least the first step in the security thing, right? You can yeah. knock out half, well, it used to be half, half of the people were male or female. Now we have to add in the non-binary and not know. Uh, but a lot of them are putting in uh, non-binary, uh, disc- so instead of Mr. or Ms. or Mrs., they're going to add in MX. Can I just tell you, though, like, I, I'm cool with that. I don't understand yeah. the MX thing. I guess it's as opposed to Mr. and Mrs., right? Yeah. Instead of the MR or the MRS? It's just, it's just a symbolic thing. Right. I'm cool with that. Okay. Um, because it's individualized. Yeah. It's not forcing you, the non-binary person, to select something that you don't subscribe to. You don't have to force yourself to be male on your ticket. Right. You don't have to be forced to be female on your ticket. That I'm totally cool with. Where I get totally lost in all of this is why people seem to think that a flight attendant at the beginning of the flight saying, ladies and gentlemen, is somehow offensive to them specifically, or that 
the flight attendant is even referring to them specifically. They're I, not. I think we tend to find things that offend us now as a, as a society. We seem to look for the stuff that's going to offend us. I mean, I, I mean, I'm Jewish. This this time of year, right. it's it's Christmas time. I'm Jewish. I don't celebrate Christmas. People come up to me all the time and say Merry Christmas. I'm not offended by that. I take it as a very positive greeting. I say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I, I respond in kind. It doesn't bother me at all because I understand the nature in which it's being said. They're not saying it to be. It couldn't be hurtful anyway, but they're not saying it for any other reason than this is what we say this time of year, and they don't know. That's fine. Why would anybody be upset if you're sitting on a plane full of 150 people, and the flight attendant starts her announcements by saying, good morning, ladies and gentlemen? Why would that bother you? But if it is bothering them, Steve, what's the big deal? Do you Are you going to miss, ladies and gentlemen? Is it going to bother you that it's not there no, anymore? No, I personally don't care what the flight attendant right. says, because honestly, I am zoned out in my technology by that point. <laughs> I am headphoned. I am blaring that as best I can to drown out the noise of anything else on that plane, whether it's a child or the, the, the takeoff, <laughs> the landing, whatever it is. I am already on the right. Wi-Fi. I'm watching a movie. I'm listening to music. So I don't really care what they say, but I, I don't get the complaint. So like yeah. there was... The company, EasyJet, by the way, is the airline that yeah. is um, heavily involved in this story. They received a complaint via Twitter. It always comes via Twitter. Um, <laughs> from somebody who says this, and I just, I just don't get this. It says, Dear EasyJet, are you in some kind of competition to see how many times you can reinforce gender binaries? Quote, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, perfume... <laughs> Perfume strictly separated again by ladies and gentlemen. I, I just don't get this. They don't. They don't. The uh, sir and madam thing is yeah. that offensive? I, the good I thing on the good thing on planes, though, if you think about it, Steve, the bathrooms are already uh, non-binary, right? They're they're there for anybody. They're they're uh, they're not male or female bathrooms. It's just a bathroom. Everybody shares the same one, so they don't have to worry about that. At least I don't want to come across like I am anti um, inclusivity okay. because I do I do empathize with this. I feel that if you, the person, want me to refer to you a certain way with they or them pronouns or not saying ladies and gentlemen or whatever the case may be, sir or madam, not that I say that very often, um, I'm totally cool with that. If you and I can have that conversation where you can say to me, hey, man, uh, I know that you've you've usually referred to me in this way, but I'm actually going to go with this other way. I'm totally cool with that. Okay. I will live up to that. I will do that for anybody, not just for my friends, not just All for right. my family, but for anybody who says that. But in a group setting like this where I say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not speaking specifically to you. All right. So let me ask you, do you know anybody personally in your, fa- your family or your friends who is now non-binary or who identifies in some way other than male or female? No. Okay. So if that person came to you and said, hey, I'm, I want you to call me this my new name and I want you to refer to me as they, you'd say, okay, absolutely. You know, totally. You're my friend. I'll, I'm happy to do that. I do it. And what if that person also said, you know what, when, when I sit on an airline or when I go anywhere and they say, ladies and gentlemen, it bothers me because I am neither a lady or a gentleman and I wonder why they can't just say something more generic. Would that help you to understand it if it came from somebody you knew? That it bothered them? Even if even if it doesn't make sense to you, would that make? Would I that, would. Well, that's the thing. It it, it doesn't. It I doesn't think solve the issue. I would need right. somebody to walk me through how they feel about that. Yeah. And uh, am I open to changing my opinion? Absolutely. 
I, I'm totally able to be swayed on this, but where I currently stand, I just I don't see the big issue with this. Yeah, I don't think it's a big issue either. I, do. I think you should just be able to sit there and, and take it, and not that it's like punishment or anything like yeah. that. It's just an offhand comment. It doesn't mean anything to you. I think there are people on the extremes of, of all parts of society that find reasons to be offended, that they look around. For Absolutely. Reasons. Just like people who get offended if you're in a store and someone wishes you a happy holidays and they're offended you didn't wish them Merry Christmas. I don't understand that either. It's being said in a positive way. It's a nice greeting. Why are you upset? People get upset by that. Nobody's coming at you for being Jewish yeah, say, when say, they say Merry Christmas. And, and the same way somebody says it here, if somebody, if ladies and gentlemen is bothering people, okay, we can change it to everybody or hey folks or whatever you want to say. What do we care? At the end of the day, why do we care? Now I'm trying to think back to my most recent flights and what did they actually say? <laughs> you don't know. And you, was I listening? That's put, the bigger are you, question. Are you putting on the noise canceling headphones? Is that what we're dealing I with there? I've definitely heard hey folks. <laughs> I've definitely heard that one. Is that one okay? I had a pilot on a recent flight did one of those Southwest Airlines things where he did a little speech that was really funny. It wasn't rhyming really? or anything. Yeah, the no, pilot I've came noticed that. It, they, they've tried to get more funny lately. Yeah, well, the, in Southwest, the flight attendants always used to do that, but now I feel really? like I'm seeing, yeah, I saw a pilot do it for the first time. I, I thought it was very entertaining. And then I said, shut up and get back in there and fly the plane. But I didn't say, I did not say that, of course. Have you ever had a pilot that gives you updates on uh, scores? Yes. I've had that before, and that's always really nice. That's for good. me, the sports fan, I'm like, oh, okay. The, we got we got five baseball games going on right now. Right. I could I could use a score update. Well, the, the beauty of flying, we're going to give a plug to Southwest here, but a lot of the airlines, they have their own little Wi-Fi thing where you can right. sign in and watch NFL games on the plane. You can watch live games now. It's uh, it's actually pretty cool. I did that uh, I did that one of the Sundays this year. I was flying during NFL season watching games. That was fun. Well, I mean, clearly I am doing anything but listening to the opening <laughs> spiel. Hey, John Roller's here with the headlines in the KTAR News Center. We'll get an update in just a second. On the other side, Arizona's got a big change coming up January. First, Steve, it's another minimum wage bump. We go up to $12 an hour. We'll talk about the effect on our economy and whether or not it helped or hurt since these changes started just a few years ago. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. All right, that's Steve Zinsmeister. I'm Barry Marks. We're sitting in for Bruce and Pamela. They are back on Monday. Hope you're having a great Christmas week. Every time I turn around and look outside, Steve, it works. It looks worse. Give us the weather update, Barry. <laughs> it's just cloudy and nasty looking out there. It looks worse every time. Yeah, it's, every it's time not, I look. It's not pleasant. Well, I'll tell you, though, in a few days, uh, things are going to get a little more pleasant for a whole bunch of people in Arizona. It's yet another increase to our state minimum wage. Going, Yay, yeah, going up free to money. 12, <laughs> going up to $12 an hour yet. I'm excited for you. This will be a big a big raise for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it. All the things I'm going to spend that extra $1,000 on. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is happening following our two. 2016 vote. Remember how this happened? It wasn't the legislature that changed the minimum wage. It, it was, was the voters. It was the voters. It was a, a referendum, and it was overwhelmingly approved by the the voters. Even though a lot of uh, politicians and the the chamber of commerce and a lot of business leaders were wringing their hands, saying this is going to ruin the Arizona economy. Uh, the the minimum wage back then, by the way, just in 2016. So it's only been three years. It's, it's right. It's literally three years ago today, or or a month ago, is when we voted on this. The minimum wage was eight dollars and five cents an hour. So we've we've increased the minimum wage in Arizona by fifty percent in just three years. That's a significant wow. bump for everybody. For some people, hopefully, if you were already making ten or twelve dollars an hour, you get pushed up a little bit more than that. Um, and then, of course, other costs go up, right? I mean, if restaurants and places that have a lot of 
minimum wage employees are paying more, they're probably going to pass some of that on to their customers in, in an effort to keep things even and still make some money. Yeah, that's the thing, because when you raise the minimum wage, it's not all sunshine and rainbows and everybody gets more money. It's also, okay, now we have to figure out as a company a way to offset those costs of paying our employees more. Because, I mean, I did the math earlier on the show, but if you had five employees that you're all paying uh, $8 an hour as the way, uh, minimum wage in 2015 or 16, and then you raise it to 10, that's two more dollars times five, that's 10. That's a whole person. That's a whole yeah. salary you could be paying that you wouldn't otherwise have. No, it's it's a lot. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm on some some charity boards where we have staff, like a big big staff. We run big organizations. Sure. And a lot of the staff is, is paid minimum wage for, for lower level type jobs, younger people. And it's a big budgeting item the last several years to talk about this increase in payroll that, that is mandated in essence. But we get by it. We charge a little bit more for the folks who come in. We figure out how to do it. And at some level, if it helps people who... That's their job. They're going to pay the bills from that job. I guess that's a good thing, right? Well, that's the thing that I'm saying is when you raise that minimum wage and you, the companies try to make up for it by charging the their customers more, yeah. that's cost of, of living. And right. are we chasing cost of living with uh, what we're trying to accomplish, which you hear about all the time from the politicians, is a livable wage? Well, are we ever going to reach that point where the cost of living and the minimum wage are equal or comparable to the point where we're going to be satisfied. And then there's the argument of, is it even the government's responsibility to get you to a livable wage? Right. Is, is it, Should we be looking at a wage as to the value of the job that's being performed, or is the wage supposed to be something that is a livable wage? Uh, you know, the biggest thing that goes into quality of life, the biggest expense most of us have is where we live, right? It's the rent or sure. if you own a house. I guess most folks living on minimum wage probably aren't owning a house with that money. No. Uh, but so while uh, while minimum wage has gone up 50% now, uh, the, pro- the cost of rent, monthly rent in Arizona and the Phoenix area, at least, has only gone up 18% since the end of 2016. So in that three-year period, we've seen wages go up 50%, rent go up uh, 18%. So it has become, although costs do go up, it does become a little bit better and provide a bit of an easier quality of life. I think the way that the math checked out was uh, when the minimum wage does go up to 12 here coming up in January. That for Arizona, what that means for you specifically, if you're a minimum wage worker here in the state of Arizona, you could be making about sixteen hundred extra dollars per year after taxes. And so that's a good chunk of change that I think a lot of people are going to be appreciative of. And the government's case is that you will then turn around and put that money back into the economy. That's true. So the new minimum wage is $12 per hour. It pumped everybody up. That starts on January 1st. The folks who were saying, oh, my goodness, uh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, they're now acknowledging the sky did not fall. So the Arizona Chamber of Commerce, for example, which actually filed suit uh, against the, the referendum before 2016 and really opposed it in the election, they have now acknowledged that their prediction of uh, the wholesale reduction in employment levels as a result of the pay, the pay increase, it didn't happen. Basically, they said there are going to be less people employed. You're going to have higher unemployment because we're paying more. And not only has that not happened, we've kept growing. So the, the increase in, in jobs has been, Steve, about 5.7%. Even in the lower income jobs, like in the restaurants, the minimum wage jobs, they're staying right out there, the same growth in essence. I think that's what that surprised me the most of all yeah. those numbers is the employment numbers remaining the same, if not growing a little bit. Because of the complications we talked about as an employer, you know whether it's uh, your company or whoever it may be, your organization, 
has to pay more for each individual person, you, that typically would mean that you might not hire an extra hand that you might right. need around the office. Or maybe even you cut back on staff. Maybe people get fired because they're laid off because you just can't afford the cost of all the minimum wage employees. And the numbers for the Arizona economy do not seem to show that. No. And, and look, the positive, if I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute, we're in a great economy right now. The economy's been yes. growing, and that certainly helped uh, ameliorate any of the issues that may have occurred because of the higher wages. It'll be interesting to see when a downturn occurs. So this is going to happen. There's always a downturn. Sure. When that happens, we'll see if the higher wages makes the downturn worse for unemployment, if it really hits us harder, where businesses subtly not growing as much, not doing as well, if they start to lay off employees. So we'll find out. But at least for right now, unemployment on January 1st, or excuse me, uh, wages on January 1st go up to a minimum of $12 Yay. in Arizona. More money for everybody. Nice minimum big wage raise. people rejoice. <laughs> nice big raise. My son's excited. See, this this is the part where I do think it's ridiculous, where high school kids are now making $12 an hour. I I think that's a bit much. It also just seems... So out of context for someone like you, what was your first job? What I was did you a, make for your first job? I was, well, I delivered the paper first, but I was a busboy, and I earned, I think it was $2.03 an See? hour plus tips. It was nothing. See? And that was just Your like, kid's making six times that. And that was just last year, man. It was, it was, it was rough. <laughs> hey, coming up uh, right after a news update, uh, we'll have uh, John Roller giving us the headlines in the KTR News Center. Steve and I are going to talk about what's going on in Scottsdale. You may remember this story from a few years ago. Well, it's going to trial in January. The Satanic Temple sued Scottsdale for not letting them issue an invocation at a city council meeting. It's all coming to a head, and we'll tell you how much the city of Scottsdale is paying its lawyers just to defend this suit. You'll tell us whether or not that's a good use of taxpayer money. Stay with us, folks. I'm Barry Marks and Steve Zinnmeister on KTR. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. All right, that's super producer Stevie Z. I'm Barry Marks, and we're sitting in for Bruce and Pamela. They are back on Monday. And I got to tell you, heading into the new year, 2020, it's going to be a big one. Out of the, uh, what do they call these? The aughts or the teens? Yeah, or the... it's the 20. No, the 20 aughts are the before the tens. So, so these are the 20 teens, I guess. Yeah, it was, we couldn't figure, the out what to, couldn't figure out what to call this stuff, but now we're into the big stuff. We're into the 20s, so it'll be good. The 2020s. The 2020s. See, we at least know that's what we'll be calling them. We're seeing clearly now, Steve. It's uh, it's going to be a great... I can see clearly now. And I did not want that to happen. The rain is gone. <laughs> All right, let's... Let's get to Scottsdale. Fair enough. Where they don't allow singing at uh, city council meetings. So this is, uh, you remember this from a few years ago. There is a uh, a satanic temple in Tucson. And they made a decision that they were going to try to make uh, prayers or invocations at city council meetings in towns and cities around Arizona that had that. So if you have a town or city or city council meeting, you brought in a reverend or a minister or a priest or a rabbi or an imam to give a prayer to start the meeting. Okay. Then they said... We would like to give a satanic prayer of to course. start the meeting. We would. How do we sign up? Where do we go? So most of these cities have a way you sign up. You have to. They have a little guideline or a little a process a, a you little, have to go through. There's a process, and then there's a standard, right? You have. You can't just be Joe Blow from off the street. You have to be affiliated with a church or with a an organization of some sort. Uh, do you come in and you and you do that? So they applied. They did it in the city of Phoenix, for example. And Phoenix was so aghast that somebody from the Satanic Temple may come in and, and make a, a prayer before a meeting that they stopped. They ended the program of doing invocations before meetings. They just got rid of the program altogether. So rather than have the Satanists come in and give a 60-second prayer one time, they said, no more any prayers. We're no, just ending all prayers. Nobody's coming into the city council meeting. We're not doing it. Because they foresaw what would happen if they said no. 
that, that it would be considered to be uh, not equal protection, that you wouldn't be able to say, hey, wait a minute, you can't you can't favor that religion over this religion. Just because you don't like it. And the Satanists consider themselves to be a religion, the, sat- the, the Satanic Yeah, they just, religion. you know, worship Satan. So that's what Phoenix did. Now, they went to Scottsdale, and Scottsdale did something interesting. They actually scheduled them. They put them on the books. They said, yes. You're going to come in on this day. Come on in. Make your prayer. Load it up. And then... Everybody's welcome. Somebody looked up and said, whoa, and they started getting some feedback that was less than positive. And as you might imagine, politicians do not like less than positive feedback. I like the way that you tempered that. Less than positive. (laughs) So suddenly you had a lot of the Scottsdale City Council people saying, well, wait a minute. And no, you can't come here. And they canceled them. So they they had them scheduled to make the invocation, then canceled them. And you'll know what happened after that. Satan got mad. Satan, the devil was not pleased. So a lawsuit came out of it. So they've been defending it ever since. They hired outside counsel um, to represent them. And they've already, the outside counsel defense costs over the last couple of years for this lawsuit have already cost the city of Scottsdale over $46,000. Now that's a huge amount of money, right? I mean, for a, not a huge town or city. But now they're gearing up for trial. They're gearing up. And, and trial, by the way, I will tell you, is it's intense. So before you get to trial, the amount of money spent preparing for trial, doing the extra work that has to be done before trial, and then through trial, it's expensive. So now the lawyers and the city manager, they've come back to the city council and they said, we need an additional $130,000 if we're going to try this case. So now it'll cost over $175,000 for the city of Scottsdale to defend this lawsuit brought by the Satanists. And is it so the lawyers are asking for more money or saying that they're going to need more well, money to saying, do this. Well, they're saying you're going to get a bill from us for this amount. And then that decision is left to the city council. Right. So the city council has to approve whether or not they're going to give more money to their own lawyers. I'm well, thinking they're probably yeah. going to vote in favor of the more money, right? Well, well, or they could look at it and say, and this happens all the time in city councils, they can say, settle it. So normally it, would, it wouldn't be about prayer in the council meeting, it'd be about money, right? Somebody fell in a city building, they sue the city, and then they say, okay, we'll stop with the lawsuit, stop paying the lawyers, here, we'll, we'll give you X number of dollars, let's settle the case. And hopefully that X number of dollars is less than the 130000 or whatever well, that they they'd might, be paying their lawyers? Yeah, I mean, there's always risk in going to trial normally about money. You don't know what a jury's going to award, and you don't know what the answer will be here either. I mean, there's I'm sure there's arguments on both sides. But for me, Steve, the crazy part for me here is why are we spending one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in the city of Scottsdale, which is it's actual money. That's that's the cost of a couple of police officers or firemen or, or a new police car. Or imagine what you could do in a city park and fix something up with that amount of money, right? A new baseball field. There's all sorts of things where that money can be spent where it's needed in Scottsdale. And instead, we're in my mind, wasting it on this. Now, some people might say, well, you're not wasting it. You're defending religious liberty. And okay, I guess I understand that. But how does letting the Satanists make a prayer at a city council meeting, a 60-second prayer, how does that affect any other religion? If the council's policy is any religion can come in and make the prayer, whether it be Christian or Jewish or Muslim or whatever it is, Hindu, why why would it be such a thing, such a bad thing to let the Satanists come in and make a 60-second So prayer? that's what you would do. You would just let them come in, let I, them do it. It's going to sound weird. It's going to be yeah. odd. It's going to be outlandish at times. If the choice is that or it costs us $175,000. Seems like an easy fix. Yeah. Let them make the prayer. or And then cancel the whole program. Or Exactly. Or just, don't, just cancel the program now. Just do what Phoenix did and just cancel it. Ask the Satanists if, if they'll drop the lawsuit if they cancel it. Now, the Satanists may have legal fees now, too, so there may be some issues with that. But to me, this is this has been an amazing waste of time and money, real money it's that could be used money. somewhere else. You're right. a Scottsdale resident. I am. I mean, this is this is our tax dollars that are going to this. And I, I'm just 
for me, it's like I don't know why we have the why we feel the need to have an invocation before the meeting anyway. But okay, if we do, that's fine. Let them come in and make the invocation. I'm fine with it until it creates a financial problem. Yes. At which point I realize we don't need to be doing this. And and you know when you're one, and you're wondering why you know why are we why are we defending the Satanists? We're not. But imagine the other side of this. Let's let's say the city council somehow was voted in and, and it has a majority of Muslims. Let's say four of the seven city council members are Muslims, and they start saying we're only going to allow Muslim clerics, imams, to come in and make the prayer. Everybody's welcome, but no, we're just going to let the imams come in. Would you be upset by that? Would you be upset if Christians weren't allowed to come in or Jews weren't allowed to make a prayer? Of course we would be. The Satanists, we might not look at it as a real religion, but if they do, and if the if the under the Constitution it's considered a real religion, why not? I mean, why not let them come in? Why not? Why not let the every church, everybody who considers themselves a church, if it's a real location, if they really have services, if they really do their thing, let them come in and make the prayer. It's sixty seconds. I, I might be the abnormal one, but for me, it's just I don't care who's the person praying. I don't care yeah. who they're praying to because I don't let somebody else's prayer stand for what. I believe it. Right. It's not going to change You know what any. I mean? Right. They're not coming in to convert people. They're going to make a prayer, just like every other religion would. And whatever you want to say in that 60 seconds, uh, go for it. Yeah. We might condemn you afterwards, but <laughs> you know what? I, say what you got to say. I'm not paying you let's, a cent. Let's get on with the business of the city and not spend $175,000 defending this. And by the way, this won't be the end of it, because when it goes to trial, oh, whichever yeah. side wins, really good chance that the loser appeals, and now you're paying for appellate work and briefs. It's also incredibly expensive. This drags on another year or two. It doesn't go away. And you're still faced with... And by the, and, and if you lose, now they're going to be coming out of the woodwork, right? All these weird little religious organizations are going to come out of the woodwork wanting to make the invocation in the city in the city uh, chamber. Who knew well. that your taxpayer dollars, Barry Markson, were going to the Satanists? Only the best. Only the best. Speaking, just settle. Speaking of the Satanists, let's talk about the French. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> big story out of France where it's been it's been regulated by the government that stores are not allowed to be open on Sunday people aren't like supposed Chick-fil-A to, they're not supposed right they're not supposed to be working on Sunday Steve coming up on lunch Barry and now the biggest grocery store in France they've started opening on Sunday but they're not making their employees come in they're doing it with automatic checkout just like we have here in the United Can't States get used to it the uh, the outcry has been tremendous with their westernizing consumerism in France and they just can't take it Quick, somebody get me some wine and cheese. All right, we'll have that for you when we get back. It's the Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes Show right here on KTAR. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. All right, Super Producer Stevie Z has been in here uh, with me. I'm Barry Markson sitting in for Bruce and Pamela. They're back on Monday. Have you enjoyed your first uh, your first uh, co-host in the big show here? Oh, absolutely. This is the other side of the glass. I always wondered what it looked like. <laughs> now you know why it's bulletproof. It is see-through, though. That's true. See-through. Tommy's a good-looking man. You're doing though. a great Bruce St. James impression today. Thank you very much. Or is it the Pamela Hughes impression? Uh, no, you're Pamela Hughes today. Okay. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be Bruce today. All right, hey, just a quick reminder. It's the end of the year. If you're getting ready or thinking about doing some charitable giving, Arizona has this great program. And I'm always surprised people don't know about it. It's uh, Arizona uh, Charitable Tax Credits. And what that means is you can get, if you if you earn money and you pay Arizona taxes, you can give money to charity for free. 
Basically, you can take money you would otherwise pay in your taxes and give it to charities instead. It costs you nothing. So you make a charitable donation to a charity. You put that on your tax your tax return, uh, even if you're filing the easy form. I think that's right. I'm not a tax lawyer. Don't pay attention to that. <laughs> um, but you put that Don't down, hold me to any of this. And then you get a refund or you pay less taxes, but you get that 200 If you give $200, you get $200 back. It's free. You get to No cost it. to you. No cost to you. So again, you have to have... You are paying taxes. If you don't have a job and you're not paying taxes... Hopefully you're paying your taxes. Yeah. So, But if you're paying taxes... It's a great way to be charitable, to get money that would otherwise go to the government to a charity of your choice. There are thousands of charities that now qualify for this. Uh, And in addition, there's a separate tax credit for foster children uh, charities. You can give money uh, more, up to $1,000 for a couple. You can give money to foster children charities, which I think is just such a great place to go. The state, uh, we we just don't fund those types of things enough. And there are wonderful people who take in foster kids and try to give them a more of a normal life. And where a lot of these charities give money for things like sports after school activities, uh, dancing, gymnastics, all the stuff that you want, you wish all kids could do, and it helps to fund that for foster kids. So there's a lot of opportunities for that, and it's free to you. So you, when you're paying your taxes here in a few months, yeah, well, before and that, you wish that money was going towards a charity, right. it can. Yep. At no cost. You can do it right now. So go to the website, A-Z-D-O-R. So it's Arizona Department of Revenue, A-Z-D-O-R.gov slash tax hyphen credits. You can read about it. Look at the list of charities that work there. Check it out. Also, you can give money to public schools. So if you're somebody who says, like I am, that we underfund our public schools, there are public school tax credits. You can give, again, $200 up to $400 per couple to any public school in the state, The, the school your kids go to, your grandkids go to, or any other school in your neighborhood, anybody. And they can use that money for field trips and other things. It's a way to move tax dollars to education, and the state sets that up. But you have to do it. And Imagine if we all did that. It's free. It's free. It does not cost you a penny. You get all what the money great back. great reminder this time of year. I'm telling you, I think it's great. So I hope everybody takes a look at it at least and considers that in your charitable giving at the end of the year. Now, as wonderful as we are, the French are not as happy with us, uh, Steve. I don't know if you're I, aware of I this. think they haven't been for a while. Yeah, they, they don't like how we do things. So in, in France, you know, I, I said this before, we have the hard work ethic thing going on pretty good here in the United States, and the French have the relaxation thing going on. Shots fired. And I'm not, well, I'm not making fun of them. They do that better than we do. They oh, get, I see what you're saying. They, they, they more, do leisure better than yes, we do. Yes, they, they get more, it's built into their culture more. They get more vacation time. They relax more. That's true. It's kind of built in. We're here the ethos in the United States is work harder, work more hours, work, right? Even even these days, with all the technology that's supposed to make it easier for us, let's face it, we work at home, we work almost around the clock, you work on vacation now. But in France, they don't do that. And part of it is built into the culture. It's regulated by the government. And one of those things is stores and businesses are closed on Sundays, as you keep saying, like Chick-fil-A. Like Chick-fil-A. So, But they all close. So the idea is that Sanderson Ford is a big advertiser. They close on Sundays. It's, that's France. That's the whole country. And it was regulated. It was it was the law. You were not allowed to be open on Thou Sunday. Thou shall not work on Sunday. Until about 2015, when the current French uh, president, now uh, back then he was the economy minister, he changed those regulations to allow businesses to open on Sunday. And just this weekend, the largest grocery store in France, they opened on Sunday for the first time. In the afternoon, it used to always be closed. So what they did, they opened, but... They didn't make their employees come in. They didn't make employees come in and work. They did it with automatic cashiers. Remember how we have That's that here? the future. The automated cashier. We see those here in our grocery stores grocery now. Grocery stores, fast food restaurants are starting to get some of that stuff. Um, bigger supply stores like uh, Costco, you mentioned yep. earlier. Home Depot has it too. It's the way of the future, Barry. Yeah, it's definitely coming. And so there's two things here going on in France. One is the unions, the labor, the folks, they don't like it because they don't want to start this thing where stores and businesses are opening Sunday because they think other businesses will. 
people do it. Get used to it. Because they're going to make more money. And two, I don't think they like the automated stuff because it's going to be less jobs available. They should get that used to that too, though. That happens. That's already happening here, right? I mean, if you go into a, a Fry's, I'll use as an example, but any grocery store where they have the automated checkout, there's less cashiers than there used to be. There's maybe one or two cashiers open. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's they, it. If they don't have to pay a bagger... Or a, or a cashier, right? Then that's just money saved for the company, or just, money 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 added to their revenue. We're just suckers now. We're all working for the for the grocery store and not getting paid for it. I do, but I do that. <laughs> I do that exclusively, Barry. Yeah. For the longest time, I was always using the employees to their fullest ability. I, I would let them bag. I'd let them do everything because they work there. That's their job. Yeah. But now, I, probably the last two years, I am exclusively self checkout. Really. It gets me out faster. It I is. It's faster. It's hard, it's hard not to use it. I'm not saying I'm better at the job than they are. When it's faster. Well, I'm, I am. I still don't understand how <laughs> bagging works. I, I just don't get it. Steve, it's been great. Thanks for uh, letting hey, me sit thanks, in today. Barry. Good to be here with you. Thanks to Tommy Two-Tone behind Big Glass uh, for us. And, of course, John Roller handling the news in the KTR News Center. Dave Ramsey's coming up next. Have a great uh, weekend here, folks. Uh, Bruce and Pamela, they're back on Monday. I'm Barry Markson. Have a great holiday week, everybody.